All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a Friday, April 22nd edition of the Daily Face Off Show. Tally Remchuk and Frank Saravalli with you. It's a beautiful Friday out in Edmonton, Frank. And uh, end of the week, storylines are getting bigger in the NHL. This is, uh, this is a good time. But on the other hand, I'm kind of excited for the end of the regular season, aren't you? Yeah, I'm ready for playoff time and also starting the day on a little bit of a somber note with Guy Lafleur's passing. Yeah, and that's what we're going to start with. We'll throw two and a half minutes up on the clock. And uh, Guy Lafleur, an absolute hockey, won't even call him a legend. I'll call him a hockey icon, passes away at the age of 70 after a long battle with cancer. Uh, Dave Stubbs had some great images that he put up on Twitter, starting with this one here and all the pucks. Uh, 1,126 career games for Lafleur, 560 career goals, a guy who had six straight 50 goal and 100 point seasons, something that was really only rivaled by Wayne Gretzky. When you look at that 50, 100 mark, um, like I said, some fantastic images here from Dave Stubbs of the legend Guy Lafleur and Matt Larkin has a piece of a daily face off Frank. And I want to share the first line of that article where he says there are superstars and then there are folk heroes, athletes who ascend to mythic status. And for me, someone who was too young to have ever seen Guy Lafleur on the ice but I still have an appreciation and a knowledge of what he was like as a player and a man. To me, that line from Larkin sums up Lafleur's legacy beautifully. Yeah, it was perfectly written, wasn't it? And I encourage you to check out Matt's piece because he also has some interesting insight from Scotty Bowman as well as Steve Shutt, his longtime line mate there with the Montreal Canadiens. And um, man, what can you say about Guy Lafleur? 
you know, you you said icon. What sticks out to me is Rockstar. And I'm not saying that because he's a guy that actually had his own disco album that was released in 1979. It's because he sort of transcended sport. He was such a big part of Quebec culture. Um, you know, people will talk forever about that hair that was flapping as he would skate up the right wing. And, um, you know, he was... He was someone that was sort of ever present in the mind of Montreal Canadiens fans and the Quebec province. And to think that we're here on April 22nd with Guy Lafleur passing at age 70, and it comes exactly seven days after Mike Bossy of the New York Islanders dies, another uh, Quebec icon. Like to think that both of those guys uh, have have passed within a week of each other, two dynamic, fantastic scorers. Quebec has really had the their hockey hearts ripped out in the last week. Uh, what a tough uh, seven days for the hockey world and and Guy Lafleur off the ice, uh, just a true gentleman. You know, you think of uh, Jean Beliveau, Mister Beliveau, being the um, the sort of icon of of the previous generation, and 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 there's always talk with the Montreal Canadiens about passing the torch and and holding that flame high. Well. Guy Lafleur helped take it from Jean Beliveau, and then Jean Beliveau passed it along, uh, you know, to to so many others in that organization as well. Guy Lafleur, uh, you know, helping the Canadians in that dynasty in the 1970s, arguably the best team that's ever played. Um, 1977, just uh, an unbelievable player and also contributor to the game, uh, gone way too soon. Absolutely gone way too soon. And you think about sometimes those players and teams who just feel like such a perfect match and Lafleur and the Canadians were absolutely that. So our condolences to the Lafleur family, the hockey community, not just out in Quebec and Montreal, but around the entire league as well. Um, Guy Lafleur passing away at the age of 70 and never easy to transition off of that. And obviously Guy Lafleur is going to be in everyone's thoughts going forward here. But last night on the ice in the NHL, there were certainly a lot of storylines and a lot of them coming out of the Atlantic division, Frank, where I'll start with the Florida Panthers. So they've locked up the division. All right. They've locked up first place in the conference. They have the Z or the Z next to their name there. And oh yeah, they've also set the record for the most goals scored in the salary cap era. And they still have five games to play. This is a team who has been dominant all season, pretty much start to finish this year. I'm sitting here five games to go. They pretty much have nothing to play for, but they're still showing no signs of slowing down. Not at all. 12th straight win overall. They've now had two different double digit win streaks on home ice this season, which there's still a number of games to play. That's mind blowing for the impact that they've had at FLA live arena. Can they get a sponsorship deal at some point during the playoffs? That's how good this team has been. Um, You know, you, you look at, their, their top scorers here and, and Jonathan Huberto squarely in the hard trophy race, but you have to go 12 players down the list. All 12 of them have either set a new career high in goals, assists, or points. Some of them, many of them doing all three. Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, maybe the one sort of question mark in net as we've come down the stretch here. Uh, will they go to Spencer Knight at a certain point? But I'm going to throw this other stat at you, Tyler. The Florida Panthers have been on the ice for 77 games this season. They've scored five or more goals 32 times out of 77 appearances, and they've yet to be shut out this season. They are an offensive juggernaut. 
they are making the NA, they're putting up beer league numbers in the NHL. Like if this was a men's league, every other team would be like, hey, get these guys up and out of our division because this is unfair. Uh, like you said, running away with the division. Uh, speaking of the Atlantic, though, let's stay there for a second little topic here. Tampa Bay, Toronto. These two teams have an 80% chance of meeting in the first round of the NHL's playoffs. They combined for 114 penalty minutes last night. The NHL could do a lot worse than these two teams going toe-to-toe in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I could take a little more of Pat Maroon and Wayne Simmons jawing at each other too. Uh, Leah Hextall giving the play-by-play as she was standing between the benches on ESPN on Thursday night. Uh, That was sort of funny to see, but... I wonder if this eight spot that the Tampa Bay Lightning put up lingers with the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit. The Leafs have been feeling pretty good about themselves down the stretch, and for good reason. They've played pretty sound hockey. The last meeting that they had with Tampa in Tampa just a few weeks back was a lot different. And so do they just wipe that eight spot off the slate, or does that give them a reason to smell themselves a little bit as they head into the playoffs? Season series, like you can see here, tied up at two. I don't think anyone be, would be surprised if in round one, these two teams were going six or seven games. And I don't think we'd see an 8-1 finish in a first round of the playoff series. But these two teams, despite that big loss for Toronto, I really do think they're incredibly evenly matched. We've talked about Tampa potentially being a team that could maybe just flip the switch and snap out of their struggles just like that heading into the playoffs. Well, if any night is last in, if last night is any sort of indication, they could be doing exactly that. Throughout the week, we've been looking at different awards around the NHL and, and giving our take on the races. Today, we're going to dig into the Jack Adams a little bit, and his picture is up on the screen right now. Daryl Sutter out in Calgary. This is a team that had a 491 points percentage last year in the Canadian division. They're following that up by running away with the Pacific. 679 points percentage right now. Is Daryl Sutter the runaway favorite for the Jack Adams, Frank? I don't know that he's the runaway favorite, but he would be the number one guy on my ballot if I were voting, because I don't think there's been a coach this season that has a bigger singular impact on his team's identity and the way that they play the game. You think back to that, you know, however many week run that he had to close out last season. And I think that was so critical for the Calgary Flames. You always hear this conversation about coaches that are playing out the string behind the bench. And the conversation with management is, well, why would we do anything right now? There's no need to make a coaching change. Our team stinks and we're finishing out the season. Daryl Sutter is the exact example of why you would consider doing so because he set the tone. He set the expectation for the Flames players and core that didn't change a whole lot to know what to expect when this season rolled around. And right from training camp, he doesn't care about the Jack Adams. He doesn't care about anything except for the Stanley Cup. And in the regular season, the Jennings Trophy for fewest goals against allowed. The Flames have been the league leader for a large stretch of the season, but they've actually in the last few weeks been passed by the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. All three teams have played 78 games. The Canes have given up 192 goals. The Rangers 194 and the Flames just behind at 195. It's the only trophy Daryl Sutter cares about. There have been other coaches that have done a fantastic job this year. I just think the the Flames specifically have played to his identity and also some credit to Brad Tree Living as well for getting players and acquiring players that fit what his coach is trying to accomplish. Yeah, you're right, because I don't think there's a team in the NHL whose identity on the ice is as closely matched up to the coach's personality as well. Maybe Carolina? Uh, quick, yeah, maybe Carolina. That's a good point. Uh, 
quick one for you at the end here. In the last five years, there's just been just one coach who's taken over midseason, who's finished as a finalist, a top three finalist for the Jack Adams. That was Craig Berube back in 2018-19. Is there a chance you think we get that this year with a guy like Bruce Boudreau? Yeah, and, and winning the Stanley Cup that year in 2019, perhaps Craig Ruby should have won that year. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, had the Canucks gotten in, I think probably wins the award. Um, you, you saw the total attitude change from that team the moment that he stepped on the ice for that morning skate on his first day there. It was like, we're going to have fun here. This is going to be enjoyable. And one of the things that he talked about, Chris Gear mentioned it on the show the other day. He was he was there in the room that day when Bruce Boudreaux took over. It was his last day working for the Canucks. And he said he, he kept talking about crazy runs that teams have gone on. He mentioned the Blues from a couple years back. He mentioned his Washington Capitals from when they made the playoffs in his first year. And he said, why can't that be us? The Canucks have come all the way back. The fact they're even talking playoffs with the Canucks in the conversation is bananas but i think they're gonna end up falling a few games short bruce boudreau will get votes but for me he's not the guy all right another guy who's made a big impact coming in mid-season is jay woodcroft we're gonna have a little bit more on that coming up in the all 32 but first another edition of down and out and today we're circling the new jersey devils who missed the playoffs once again but i look back at this year frank 27 43 and 7 not the record they wanted obviously fifth worst goals against per game. I think that's been a big issue throughout the years that they just couldn't find a way to get consistent goaltending. They did finish right near the middle of the league in goals four per game. I look at what went on this year in New Jersey, not a successful season by any means, but I think maybe this is a team that despite missing the playoffs is showing they're building momentum towards the future. So if the question was buy or sell, am I buying that the devils are building momentum I don't know that I'm buying. I'm not selling, but I'm kind of neutral on the answer. And that's not to be on the fence. It's that I thought they'd be better than what they have shown. Um, and part of the reason of some of that is injury, of course. The biggest question, Mark, you mentioned the goals against facing the New Jersey Devils this year is their goaltending. They don't trust Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, he's been hurt, of course. But I think more to the point, I think there's serious questions about whether he can get back to the level that he was at really just a few seasons ago, 915 save percentage, 918 save percentage, two and three years back. He hasn't been nearly as good. They, it's hard to find a goalie that fits. It's hard to find a goalie certainly that fits your age scheme. He would have been that at age 25. I think their GM and Tom Fitzgerald has done a really good job assembling difference makers. You know, you look at Jack Hughes and the contract, you look at Nico Heischer, you look at Dougie Hamilton on the back end. Positionally, those some of those pieces are starting to come together. I don't think we've talked enough about Jesper Bratt and the season that he's had. He's been flat out unbelievable at a point per game uh, and the steps that he's taken to increase, you know, 40 plus points off of last season's production. But they've still got a ways to go. Uh Miles Wood, they've got miles and miles to go uh, in order to get to where they want to get to. Great line, Frank. Uh, yeah, they got some key RFAs here they got to take care of as well. But I mean, P.K. Subban's $9 million comes off the books. They're going to have north of $20 million to spend. They showed us last summer they're willing to get aggressive in free agency. They have all their they have all their picks throughout the draft and then a couple of bonus ones they picked up via trade in the fourth round as well, as you can see here. Um, I, I wonder if this is a team that we should maybe be keeping an eye on and going, hey, they might get active this summer and try to put the finishing pieces on. You mentioned the Mackenzie Blackwood story. That's fascinating as well. But they could be a busy team this summer. 
they they probably will be. I would suggest that they probably need to be more active and leverage that cap space on the trade front rather than on the free agency front. Yes, they went out and landed the biggest fish on defense last year in Dougie Hamilton. Could they maybe be in the mix for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, given that he's a Jersey guy, he's a South Jersey guy, not a North Jersey guy? Maybe he wants to be closer to home. Maybe they can throw the most money at him, but they need more difference makers. And more than anything, they need a goalie because without the goaltending, none of the rest of it's going to matter. That's a great point, Frank. Uh, certainly a team to watch heading into the offseason. A team to watch heading into the playoffs is the Edmonton Oilers. Let's dig a little bit deeper on that with Jason Greger in another edition of the All-32. A little DFO Rundown reunion. It's been a few hours since we talked, boys. Welcoming in Jason Greger to the Daily Faceoff Show for all 32 delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Jason Greger from TSN 1260 and Oilers Nation. Jason, I want to start with this. The Oilers record under Jay Woodcroft has been tremendous. The work that he and Dave Manson have done since taking over is great. And from your perspective, what's been the biggest differences that those two have made for the Oilers? Well, I think without question, the uh, the order's attention to detail, their, their back pressure from their forwards to help their defensemen to stand up at the blue line, they've reduced the amount of chances off the rush significantly. I, I think that would be the big one. Um, Woodcroft is a real big communicator. He talks to everyone. He makes them feel comfortable. Uh, their depth scoring has improved. You look at the orders when McDavid's off of the ice now. They're outscoring the opposition, which which hasn't happened, obviously, in, in quite some time. And I, I think the other big one, and I felt like Dave Manson has really come in and how he rotates his defenseman. But the biggest change, he said, Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece, you're my number one pair, and you're taking the bulk of the tough minutes. Nurse has played 50% of his ice time against elite players five on five since they took over. That's a ridiculous number. Like Kale McCarr in Colorado's 38, just to give you a balance of how much they're relying on Nurse and CC at this point. So Jason, uh, this is going to sound like a funny question, but are we sleeping on the season that Connor McDavid has had? You know, I know there were tons of expectations going into it. I'm wrestling with where to put him on my heart trophy ballot. Nonetheless, he's had a season in which he's set new career highs in goals and points. You know, why aren't we talking more about McDavid? Is there just a fatigue factor league wide in terms of discussing McDavid? Well, he, technically, Frank, he's not at 117 yet. So, but he he's on pace to surpass his, his career best. I think last year when he scored 100 points in 56 games, it's almost like, well, geez, the guy's only at 1.3 points a game or whatever it is. Well, that's not as good. So I think he might be a victim of his own success. But McDavid's overall game has improved. If, if, and a lot of the numbers back it up. Not that it was ever bad before, but I, I think he's even better defensively. And I think because he's not running away with it, right? That That's probably why people look at it. But, you know, you mentioned Guy Lafleur off the top. To be a consistent, dominant 100-point guy every year is hard to do. And, and that's what McDavid does. But uh, I, I think you're accurate, Frank. McDavid, if you look at his overall numbers, not just his points, he, he's having a really good season. But because last year he was so good offensively, I think that might be why some people have looked at this year and said, yeah, it's a really good year, but it's not as good as the bar that he set. Over the last few weeks, Jason, the Oilers have suddenly put themselves in the driver's seat in terms of locking up home ice advantage in round one of the playoffs. And a big reason why is Mike Smith. This is a guy who a few months ago, the fan base was screaming, put him on waivers, get him out of here. And now you look at this run he's been on since April began. 
Is Smith capable of keeping this going for another two, three, four weeks and being the guy for the Oilers in the playoffs? Or do you think they're going to have to go back to some sort of a split between him and Koskinen? Well, I, I'm not I'm not a huge believer in Koskinen, so I don't think so. If you really look at Mike Smith from when he returned, when he played last year, which started in February through until this year. So that's what, 14 months. He really had a seven, six week stretch when he was coming off of injuries and banged up. So he came back in December 29th and he played five games between December 29th and February 9th. And those five games, he had an 872 save percentage. The rest of the year this year, before that injury and after, and all of last year, his save percentage is 923 in a span of 55 games. So you can say 55 games, 923, five games, rehabbing off of injuries, 872. I think most will look at that's what Mike Smith's capable of. Now, can he be a 923 guy in the postseason? That's hard to do. But it's actually funny. If you look at his postseason career numbers of guys with 25 or more starts, he's got the best save career save percentage. He was fine against Winnipeg last year in the playoffs. He just wasn't Connor Hellebuck good, right? And so this year, I don't think the owners are going to have to rely on him as much because their overall team defense is better. So uh, at least in the first round, I think the orders will be fine. When you get up against Markstrom or other guys, well, then, you know what, uh, then Smith is obviously going to have to match them. Fantastic insight, as always. This has been another edition of the All-32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes at the bottom of the screen, DFODD and DFODDUS. 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you use those two. Jay, have a good weekend. Thanks for doing this. See you, boys. Appreciate Gregor dressing to the nines and absolutely showing us up on our own show. Uh, let's get to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. And how about Casey DeSmith last night out of nowhere? This guy goes 52 for 52. The most saves made in a shutout performance so far this season. Our question is, Frank, who's had the most impressive individual game of the 21-22 season? We got the candidates listed right here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Timo Meyer and his five goals. Nick Schmaltz was ridiculous with seven points. Two of those were goals, five assists. Felt like every time he had the puck on his stick, uh, the puck was going in the net, but it was also a game between the Coyotes and the Sens. So I don't know that that really moves the needle for me not to knock on Nick Schmaltz and the great season that he's had. But Timo Meyer um, has been really good year and a big resurgent piece for the San Jose Sharks and a five-goal night. I mean, hard to top. Uh, was it uh, Jumbo Joe was saying if he scored four goals in a game, he'd be uh, walking around in the nude? Well, what do you do for five goals? I don't want to know. Uh, the most hilarious individual one on this list for me is the Merzlikens start where you looked at the boxer and you're like, oh my God, the flames just roasted this guy. Then you're like, wait, he made 56 stops. Like that is the most impressive losing effort of the season. But I'm going down to that trio of six point games. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, Mitch Marner is going to have a six point game. I would have been like, yeah, makes sense. Patrick Kane. Yeah, I, I could see it. Mason Marchman. I would, my response, honestly, in training camp would have been, Six points in the American League, right? This guy comes up. He's been a revelation. He's been great for the Panthers. And for him to have that six-point night, like it was just, it felt incredibly random from an outsider perspective, but it speaks to the impressive season and the depth that the Panthers have. So I'm going with Mason Marchman coming out of nowhere and popping home a six-point game as my most impressive performance of the season. So, uh, a little, little trivia for you real quick. Who was Mason Marchman traded for? Oh, man. 
I feel like I should know De- this. He came from Toronto and he went to yeah. Florida for Dennis Mulgan. Dennis Mulgan. I don't, I don't, Dennis Mulgan, he definitely, I don't know that he had six points for the Leafs, let alone six in one game. I still say the jury's out on that trade. We got to give it a few more years before we (laughs) declare a winner, Frank. Uh, Let's get to our daily bets segment where Frank, it was another good night. Three and one. We nailed the Sabres as underdogs. We nailed Jeff Skinner to pick up an assist at plus 185. So my record on the season at the bottom of the screen 161, 148, and three, plus 9.04 units as well. So we'll look to keep it rolling heading into the weekend. It's a smaller slate here in the NHL. Let's dig into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Canada, where I am starting with what I call the old reliable. Minnesota and Washington, two big favorites. I'm taking them in regulation on a parlay at plus 129. The Minnesota Wild second of back-to-back games, but it doesn't concern me because they're staying on home ice. They're 28-7-2 as the home team this season. The Kraken have been stepping up their game a little bit. They've won three in a row, but all three of those wins came at home, and they are not as good of a road team. So I like Minnesota here. They got the two high-end goalies, so no matter what, they should be getting a good start. I like Minnesota to roll in regulation. As for the Caps, they're coming off an OT loss. But they are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 games. They have a lot to play for, and they're going up against a Coyotes team that simply doesn't. Washington wants to avoid Florida in round one of the playoffs. I don't think they'll let two points slip tonight. So Minnesota and Washington is my regulation parlay. And my player prop tonight is Evgeny Kuznetsov to pick up an assist. Not a juicy payout here at minus 120, but he's got six assists in his last five games. He's hit this mark in four of his last five as well. And seven of his last 10. Those are the numbers I like to look at when betting on assists. So Kuznetsov, minus 120. He's been consistent, and this is a good matchup. So that, along with that regulation parlay off the top, are the two plays I got tonight, Frank. So plus nine units, that means if you bet $100 on every play that Tyler has had so far this season, you'd be up 900 bucks. So pretty decent little spot to be. But there would would have been a point in the middle of the season where, I mean, I was down at that point eight or nine units. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster here. But we talked about this the other day. I'm, as, I'm bouncing they back say, just in time. Yeah. And as they say, Tyler, scared money don't make money. So if if you're going to you got to buy on the dip, that's what I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, garbage time. I'm going to handle this one, Frank. And uh, I want to talk a little bit. I get that this year was a pandemic year. And now we have that weird rescheduled game on Sunday for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the playoffs are going to begin like Monday, Tuesday. I would like to see going forward the NHL try to start their playoffs with more of a bang. Traditionally, they're starting in the middle of the week and it feels kind of weird. I would have it where Friday night, you have one or two marquee games. And then Saturday, you do it kind of like the NBA does, where you have a game in the morning, game in the afternoon, evening, and a night game. And just roll. Try to dominate a weekend with the first few games of these playoff series. I think it would be a tremendous way to grab attention at a point in the sports calendar where it's pretty quiet, right? Baseball's not much of a competition. There's no NFL. Usually the NBA is just wrapping up the end of their regular season when the NHL starts. I get that scheduling can be tough, but I would love to see the NHL make the start of their playoffs, especially because the first round is so good. Make the start of the playoffs more of an event. Start with a bang. Yeah, I'm with you. It would just require a simple fix, rejigging the schedule just a little bit so that the regular season ends on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday kind of thing as opposed to the way that the regular season has been ending really as long as I can remember it on a Saturday or Sunday. And they do that just in case, you know, one last race comes down or two last races come down to the, to the wire and you need those final games. I I did cover one of those games, the Flyers Rangers game 82 back in 2010. 
that went to a shootout for the Flyers to get into the playoffs, which they ended up using to then go to the Stanley Cup final. Still crazy to think about, but that drama is kind of far and few between, especially really in the East this year, there's very little in the West, you know, might all be decided heading into the final weekend. Um, You know, it's a simple fix. I think it's a smart fix. And by the way, I would love a playoff expanded playoff play in like the NBA does with the elimination round. I mean, if you're looking for ways to increase revenue and and maybe one day get the salary cap up going in the right direction again, it's not a bad idea at all. At first, I hated the baseball wildcard game, the one game format. But now I love it. I'm hooked on it. I think the intensity you create. Yeah, sometimes it's not the most fair thing in the world, but life isn't fair. Right, Frank? It's not even about fair. If you're in that spot to begin with, like that's your own problem. You should have been in the top six then. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Uh, hoping the NHL starts the playoffs out with a bang. I like to think we finished this week of the Daily Faceoff show with a bang, Frank. Uh, thanks for tuning in throughout the week. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, keep it locked on the Daily Faceoff show. For Alex Lard, Frank Cervalli, I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Have a good weekend. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.